0: difficult to keep the line between the past and the present you believe that someone out of the past can enter and take possession of a living being we may be through with the past but the past is not through with us welcome back to the next picture show a movie of the week podcast devoted to a classic film the way it shaped our thoughts on a recent release i'm scott tobias here again with
1: genevieve kosky and keith phipps
0: Tasha is out this week, but we have Mariah Gates here again. Hello again, Mariah.
2: Thanks for having me back.
0: In our last episode, we discussed Where the Boys Are, an ostensibly bubbly 1960 comedy about young women going to party on the beach for spring break. This week, the time changes to the present day, and the location changes from Fort Lauderdale to Malia on the Greek island of Crete, but the basic story remains the same. And How to Have Sex, the debut feature of writer-director Molly Manning Walker, Three British teenagers have just finished a punishing exam and are headed to Malia to blow off steam. Malia is a tourist town where young people go for clubbing, binge drinking, and casual hookups, but all that liquor and sexual aggression blurs lines of consent that some young men are eager to cross. As her more experienced friends M, played by Enva Lewis, and Skye, played by Lara Peak, go out on the town, Tara, played by Mia McKenna Bruce, finds herself in a tricky situation. She feels pressured to lose her rigidity on the trip, but the conditions are not ideal, to say the least. She flirts with a boy in the room next door named Badger, but one night, when Badger is up on stage participating in a public sex game, Tara starts to retreat. Waiting for her at this moment is Badger's friend Patty, who steals her off for a quiet excursion to the beach. What happens there, and in the aftermath, puts Tara in a terrible spot. We'll talk about it after the break.
1: What's your name? Tara.
0: I've not noticed it before, but you are proper beautiful.
1: (laughs) You two are two of my best mates.
2: Gang, gang, gang. No one cares if you're a virgin, it's very chill. So why are you bringing it up
3: then? Hi, we're gonna play a game.
0: Okay. First question we always ask with the new film is uh, we won't do the Kosky thing for this one, but I do want to know what uh, everyone thought. Mariah, what did you think of this film?
2: Oh, I really loved it. I saw this at TIFF last fall, and I think it was my, like, second TIFF film. It was one of those, like, hard-to-top kind of movies I love it for a couple of reasons. One, I love that they shot it from the perspective of Tara. So Mia is a short girl, like very short. And the camera actually is like at her level, which is rare. Usually movies try to make it seem like everybody is the same height. And it's, I've never felt so represented as a short girl, it, literally <laughs> in my life. Then when I saw this movie and I was like, wait, the camera is like looking up at people. What? <laughs> um Usually you only get that when, like, it's from children, point of view of children or whatever, because that's how I experience life. So I loved it from that level. But I also loved that it really taps into how it feels in that really weird place where you are just burgeoning sexually. Maybe your friends are more experienced. Maybe they're not. But everyone pretends they are. And everyone pushes everybody in, in ways that they shouldn't be. No one should be pushing anyone like that. But, like, I feel like every teenager, modern teenager, has been in a situation where they felt pushed like that. I know I certainly was with, with my high school friends and it like took me back to some really uncomfortable feeling, like things that I have not necessarily repressed, but like gotten over, (laughs) you know, 20 years later, I'm like, okay, you know what? When my friend did that thing to me, she was also only 17, like whatever we're, we're adults now, but it like put me back there psychologically. And it was very uncomfortable, but also kind of wonderful to know that other people were that miserable. If that makes makes any sense. <laughs> like that we've all had that horrible feeling or at least, you know, th- these this filmmaker has. <laughs> so I felt like seen in like the worst possible way and also seen in the best possible way as a short girl. It was a very visceral experience. So I loved it.
1: For me as well, though, I didn't clock the short thing. I am not particularly short myself. So I really love that observation. I I did not clock it at all. But I I certainly clocked the female friendship dynamic in particular. I mean, obviously, the, the guys is a whole other element that we will get into. But I think what I responded to most in this film is what I often respond to in films, which is the female friendship dynamic. Mm-hmm. And this is a really kind of complex and thorny one in a lot of ways that, as Mariah says, are very familiar to me, not in this stage of my life, but certainly at that stage of, of, of my life. You know, I could recognize certain subtle behaviors and negging and uh, just, yeah, Sky, uh, y- y- you know, like call her a piece of work, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, but also like, that's a stage in your life where like friendships transition, you know, Mm -hmm. and like someone who you were very close to. And I love how this film like gives you a very visceral sense of the bond and the sort of like euphoria you can have with your friends at this stage in, in your life and the love they're always telling each other they love each other. But then seeing that how that can like fall away in certain contexts and reveal something about your friends to you that you didn't see before. It's just just really fascinating, and then just on a filmmaking level, it's exciting. You know, it's in the moment. You know, it's a little like grimy, but in a, a really kind of appealing way. There's a lot of like storytelling, and characterization through costuming, which is so you know, I'm always a, su- a sucker yeah. for that. The green dresses, man. <laughs> you know, if this was a dissolve, Keith, I'd be pitching you an essay on the green dresses. <laughs> the, the other right sh- the enough. other
2: short girl thing that's great is that like she's such a smoke show, right? But they mm-hmm. still always make her feel a little bit off for being smaller than them and like I I felt I was like I hate this but also (laughs) because it was so real (laughs) like because you know I I've always been five foot one, five foot two, kind of like I've always been <laughs> the shortest. You're taller than
3: you're taller than uh, uh, um um taller than of her, loose.
2: but like so barely. But I've always been the shortest girl in my group of friends ever since I, they hit growth spurts and I didn't. Right, mm-hmm. and it d- never mattered how good I looked. I always was a little bit off because I I didn't quite have that like normal height body <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's a it adds a weird layer of uh, insecurity that I don't know that I'd ever seen put on screen before and because Mia is also a short girl and they let her like broadcast that and maybe she was you know tapping into some of her own feelings I, I don't know but it felt so real to me i was I was like, "I don't want to be like this anymore <laughs> like it really it really did feel like it's almost like a transporter of putting me back into being this awkward five foot two teenager i it was I, I like i hated the feeling, but I was grateful that she captured that feeling well, and it
1: really translates well to sort of again like the characterization or just like the filmmaking generally and adding a layer of vulnerability to her especially in comparison to patty and badger patty especially it it, it reminded me of priscilla in the the height differential Mm -hmm. between them there and how like he was always just looming over her in a way that made her feel vulnerable and i think that same kind of effect is happening here Keith and Scott, what did you think?
3: I really liked it for all the reasons that you cite. I mean, it is a really immersive. I don't even know to what degree. You know, they hired extras, or they just kind of it was. Like, it was like extras. Yeah, I, well, yeah, she said
2: they had like three hundred extras in, wow. all, like from the town that would just come and get drunk. Honestly, like today. for a, yeah. like for
1: a debut film, yeah. like that that's like impressive. I guess like to it undertake felt, that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it felt real. I mean, and that I mean, it just felt like you you were there in in a way that like I didn't want to be there. <laughs> this kind of places I would never, I would, I would certainly never go. Now I never wanted to go when I was in college. It's like what a nightmare. It brings out oh my, my most misanthropic <laughs> tendencies. Just like it okay, have have fun. I'm going to go elsewhere. But but I mean, yeah, I, I, the way it, it it zeroed in on on their experience, particularly, particularly Tara's experience, or Taz's experience, uh, as, as her, friends, her friends call her. Uh, and it's, it's hard to be in her shoes. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really upsetting film. And I think, small spoiler, but just like the final scene where she's just mustering up the excitement of, of the, the esprit de corps with that, that what she began the, the film. And you just realize it's convincing, and you just realize how, it's, how untrue it is mm-hmm. for her. So I think it's a sort of amazing final note for that film.
0: For sure. I mean, I, I really like this film and was pretty enthusiastic about doing it because, uh, I think the verisimilitude is there for sure. I think you feel at every turn, the film just feels right. It just feels right. That certain exchanges happen the way they do that pressures are being applied in a certain way that, you know, a scene where the, you know, the scene on the beach with Patty, which really gets into this in a, a pretty edgy Territory with regard to consent can lead to mm. to an, an absolute casual shocking kind of violation later in the film all of that felt completely on point and it ties into the other thing I really like about the film which is that I feel like tara's experience is common that it is not a story that it, it feels like one of a one of many stories of her of of its kind in an atmosphere like that mm-hmm. um and, and the fact that she has to kind of swallow all of it at the end and move on to whatever she's going to move on to carrying this with her that felt to me both very sad and also very common
2: i think it's common not just in like party scenes either like i think it's just common youth culture currently, like at least starting with millennial, I I can't speak to Gen X, but like I I had similar experiences to like Not to get personal on the podcast, but I had a very similar experience just at a low-key party and it was again why this movie felt so was such a visual experience was like it was like an experience that happened where it went from like, oh, uh, making out to like a line was crossed and I to see it done so well in this movie and how it completely changed her as a person in like a microsecond again was something where I was like this happens to that many people and I think What's fascinating is she's – I don't think she even realized as a filmmaker how common because as she's gone on the press tour in the year and a half this film has been out, not even a year and a half, nine months this film has been out since Cannes, so many people have said this is my experience and I don't think she wanted (laughs) – I don't – I think she feels very like – because I interviewed her and she said she feels very like mixed about how many people have come up to her and said, like, this is my experience because that's horrible, <laughs> right? Like, this shouldn't be this common still. And to think, like, you know, we were talking about where the boys are, like, 50, 60 years later and this is still happening? Like, why? It's it's horrible. And I, I love this movie, that this movie exists. I hope enough people see it that maybe it helps the situation, but I don't know. I mean, it almost makes me feel more hopeless because it, it keeps happening and... Where is the disconnect happening with how we're taught as humans to like engage with each other?
1: Even if the like exact situation isn't one that you have had, I think like the context in which it happens is like even more universally recognizable and that it illuminates like like yes this this could and does happen very easily in this this atmosphere of drinking and partying and sexual openness mm-hmm. without the necessary like emotional underpinnings to to handle it. And one of the things I, I thought was really smart about the scene on the beach is the dialogue, such as it is. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps going, yeah, like, yeah, as a question to her and, and like not leaving any room for no, only acquiescence, yeah. you know? Yeah. And just like. Highlighting that dynamic in which the option of no is kind of taken off of the table, you know, in it, but very casually. So you don't necessarily even realize it's, it's happening. And I like obviously the beach scene is, is very pivotal, but I was almost more taken with what follows and her kind of entering back into the party without her friends and kind of finding this this other group and just like kind of I
2: love of- that sequence yeah
1: and like needing to be back in the safety of a group, and it not being her friend group because they didn't protect
2: her, you yeah. know. And
1: so she's like, kind of finding like maybe a little bit of reassurance in in this dynamic, but she also keeps disassociating, which the film, you know, kind of literalizes through this like slow mo sound cutting out out effect, you know, amid the the partying. So the way that it showed her sort of like processing what happened to her after the moment. I think was a really smart acknowledgement of how easy it is to not recognize what's happening when when, yeah. when it's happening, you know, especially when you are are drunk and have been abandoned by your friends and the guy that you like, you know, it's yeah. just
2: Yeah. And the the like the uh, I like that you mentioned emo- like emotional tools because like the incident that makes her so vulnerable to Patty is an emotional mis- mm-hmm. mistake, for lack of a better word, that the yeah. badger makes, where he, you know, he participates in the in the game, not realizing that it's going to emotionally hurt mm-hmm. Taz, right? right. And because he's just he's just not thinking about that. I'm sure if he had thought about it, he wouldn't have done it, right? But he's mm-hmm. he's a little too drunk to be thinking through mm-hmm. it because he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who'd uh, purposefully emotionally hurt someone, right? But he's also yeah. young. Everyone's young. And you make dumb mistakes. I love that it it doesn't completely throw him under the bus of like, ah, this guy is a piece of shit because he doesn't realize what he's doing, but it doesn't also uh, exonerate him completely. Like his, that choice he made affects her in a way that causes her to make a bad decision. Like it's a um, domino effect mm-hmm. of emotions mixed with alcohol, mixed with predatory men, right? And it's just a powder keg.
3: I don't think Badger also realizes even later although i think we do how how humiliating that experience is for him there's a, it, it is you know he is it is a really debasing yeah. moment for him yeah. uh, whatever pleasure quote unquote he might be taking from it I, I think that sequence with the other group is so sad too cuz they they seem cool you know mm-hmm. they seem to they seem to like each other they seem to be having fun and not like you know and like they they they're accepting of tasks it's like she's there's an alternate universe for this could have been a good trip
1: <laughs> yeah it almost seems like Fee, the sort of the leader of the group, like I almost think she recognizes that something has happened. Yeah. She like yeah. ha- having been in that position of being around someone who has just had something very terrible happen to them. I got that from her is that she was attuned to what had happened to Tara, or at least some idea of it, and yeah. was be acting protectively.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with that. I feel like at minimum, she sees someone isolated and alone. And why would someone be isolated and alone in this situation if something else didn't happen to make her isolated and alone? Like, I think it's very clear that she's not just, I lost my friends and i I, I, lo- I love the idea that it's like the alternate version of like well here's where it was a warm loving vacation <laughs> where you <laughs> just dance
1: and they got a great villa yeah not, uh, not that crappy hotel room. much much bigger <laughs> upgrade yeah. but she yeah. still she still wouldn't sleep in the bed she still had to sleep on the raft
2: <laughs> yeah
0: well and then you have to walk walk through uh the town which is just like what a shot of just like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's oh, such a good shot Such a good shot. The the thing that kind of strikes me, maybe just retroactively as the film goes on, but at the beginning of the film is how much all of the characters seem to be talking themselves into this this whole thing in a way i mean just calling it the best vacation ever kind of screaming and and really kind of like it's almost like they you know you are you are in this place this is how you're supposed to be the conformist aspect of being Mm -hmm. here and doing what you're supposed to do when you're there that is impressed upon all of them right away and it's something that, that that is being that they're all kind of like reinforcing for each other in a way by just like okay we're here to party, to do all these things, to, to go as hard as we can, and it, you know, it, it, it's something that you have to almost talk yourself into. Because I mean, some of the uh, situations that you find yourself in may not be all that appealing, really. I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think continuing to drink heavily after you're, you know, thrown up on a you know punch sized. Uh, uh, <laughs> container of uh, alcohol is probably not a great idea but i guess when you're young you can handle that sort of thing but but uh but it does seem like rally rally
2: i i yeah. definitely like think back to when i was in college and how much i could drink and now i'm like one and a half <laughs> bourbons and i'm like i'm out <laughs> it's amazing what the young body can do <laughs> like, yeah yeah, <laughs> wild
3: yeah, I went to Las Vegas a couple weekends ago. I was like, mm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm too old to be doing this.
0: <laughs> No. <laughs> did you try, Keith? Did you try, an, uh, did you try a night of, uh, going too far uh, and then uh, you I mean, just paid for it
3: without, you know we, we were having
0: pizza at 30
3: in the morning to draw your own conclusions oh, as, right. to, as to how the evening was spent but but uh yeah I, I, one night of that it was it was no.
0: enough i mean it, las yeah. vegas will make you pay for it too it's dry for god's sakes you just yeah. I mean, if you're drinking well, water all, ta- all the, the whole time you're in big trouble <laughs> uh anyway uh back to malia here i guess w- related to this question i guess of conformity and of what these women are sort of getting themselves into like where where's Tara at in her head, when she is going into this scenario, where, where do you feel like what, what kind of experience do you feel like she wants to have as opposed to what the experience that she ends up having? She expects to lose her virginity on this trip, does she not? Or does she not?
2: I think she's like maybe ambivalent. I feel like, <laughs> not ambivalent, I mean, that's not the right word, but like I think she kind of wants to, but I think, I think she doesn't want to as much as her as Skye wants her to, if that makes sense. Like I think it's no. a peer pressure no. thing as opposed to a desire thing and i to i think an added layer that came when they cast mia as because she's the short girl right speaking from short girl experience i i think you also have this extra layer of if you are not as experienced the shortness like compresses it and makes it makes you feel even more like inexperienced because you either you either go like crazy or you're like me and you're like the most reserved person until you're drunk and then you're not the most reserved person at least that's how i was when i was younger and i feel i got a lot of that from this character where she definitely is always comparing herself to her friends who are the prototypical teenage girl right and she's, she's like this little mini version and so i feel like that adds adds to it like you can see in her reaction when badger calls her a smoke show right I don't think she's used to that, even though she is a smoke show she should be used to that. It doesn't feel like she's used to that. It doesn't feel like her friends make her feel that way. I think, I think Sky is probably always making her feel a little less than because she can, because she's short, even though she is like a smoke show. So I think, I think that Rocky ground is where she starts and Badger, I think would be would, was helpful. And so that's why his emotional betrayal, like just pushes her into this like terrible situation i think she needed like his his sort of validation and that's why getting uh that's why the betrayal is even like the come down from that is even harder that's what i got from it anyways
3: can we just say skies? awful (laughs) (laughs) i guess maybe she's insecure maybe there's 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 roots to this i don't know but this really just does the worst thing in every possible moment doesn't she it really
2: does feel like insecurity to me
1: well and to kind of ping off what you were saying mariah like i don't disagree in that characterization of Tara or or Taz as it applies to like sexual experience but like thinking about how this trio is introduced like in the early going of a film she seems like the most like confident gregarious of the three like she like jumps into haggle for the poolside room she's singing karaoke just happily Like, like she it seems like when it's just the three of them dynamic that first night out she is sort of like the shining star you know but then as soon as the boys enter the equation and the question of or mm-hmm. the, the fact of her virginity enters it it just kind of gets all messed up because that is the area where where she is quote-unquote lacking although do we have confirmation that m is not a virgin here at the beginning
2: that's i don't oh. think that it's clear i think she clearly hooks yeah. hooks up yeah, on the trip. I don't. I don't, I don't think, think it's she's clear.
3: ever been with a, a woman before.
2: Yeah,
3: I, since I got this is the page was like a sort of a new experience.
1: For yeah, him. but the virgin shaming is coming like very very clearly from from Sky. Who, yeah. you know, I I, I love me <laughs> yes. a complex female character. I would love to find some like redeeming uh, aspect in in Sky, or at least some like sort of interesting psychology there. But uh, I I don't think this film particularly gives it to us. But to quickly uh, wrap up what I was saying, just one sort of like paired image that I uh, was really kind of fixated on with this film is, again, that after that first night where it's just the three of them, and they're having a lot of fun. And I think it's Sky who's like, you know, like, we can't just keep hanging out the three of us. But you know, like they have a good night together and they wake up all three of them in the bed together, like in their underwear, sprawled out, just very kind of intimate and comfortable with each other. And then thinking back to them in the bed at the end of the movie with when they all pile back into the bed and patty's there and she's just and tara's just covered up in her, her sheet, like cocooned you know like yeah. just folded in on herself and just the the contrast between those two images of these friends in a bed together i think is uh very striking and illustrative
0: so genevieve you're, you're talking about uh, uh paired images from the beginning and the end of how to have sex and we're all about pairings here on uh the next picture show so we're going to do some of that on our own and connections so we'll be uh right back uh, to talk about the connections between how to have sex and where the boys are Sky, what are you doing? What are you doing? Deep fried flags. You're no, no you are not I will have one. Thank They're you. Already dry. Now it's time for connections when we bring these two films together and talk about all the things they have in common. So many things. This was this was an incredible pairing, in my opinion. Uh, to see <laughs> Who's these <idea> two. <laughs> this. Well, I it mean was somebody smiling. it was not my idea to w- w- that was w- was where the boys are yours, uh, uh, Genevieve or was it Keith's?
1: It was mine, but I hadn't seen Where the Boys Are. Oh, okay. So I, yeah. I thought it was
0: Scott's. Well, I'll call to Genevieve. Then. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, read about it, and I was like, we have to do this. <laughs> when I, so I hadn't seen We Absolutely Have to Do This. So let's rip, rip the proverbial Band-Aid off here. <laughs> there is a kind of a remarkable echo in the, these movies involving scenes with uh, Melanie and Tara. There's a scene in Where the Boys Are where Melanie has been out at the beach, a beach built for two is the line that she uses with uh, one of the uh, gentlemen who she identifies as a Yaley, uh, incorrectly. And then, uh, and clearly, they have had some stuff has happened on the beach. And then, with Tara in How to Have Sex, she uh, loses her virginity in a very disturbing fashion with Patty on the beach. So, uh, Genevieve, what uh, where do you see these two events, or the, uh, just the events of sexual assault in these two films, kind of? Yeah. Uh, coming together
1: there's actually they each kind of have two there's sort of like a preliminary assault mm-hmm. and then a more overt second one in how to have sex both are at the hands of patty and then where the boys are we also kind of have these paired incidents the first one of which is very vague when she's coming back from her date on the, the beach uh for two and you know says you you won't tell anyone, and it's we don't know that that was uh, necessarily assaulted or her, she didn't give her consent, but you know clearly there was she was uncomfortable with what happened, you know didn't didn't want anyone to know, and then the later event at the motel is is much more, more overt, even though the camera does fade out and uh, we don't see the act as clearly as we do in in how to have sex, but both are very harrowing and they own ways and it's interesting that both cases of assault kind of turn on two men who are kind of pursuing the same woman and presumably talking about her and you know maybe informing each other's decision/perception of that woman and what they think they can do with that woman so, yeah, they, they rhyme in really interesting ways while being executed differently on a filmmaking level, but also, like, on a narrative level, they're very, very similar.
2: Yeah, I feel like they're both, weirdly, even though this is the generation that's, when boy, the boys are, it's the first generation, sort of openly, as we talked about last week, openly engaging in extramarital sex and what have you, it's still the same lines of, like, what where is consent? What is consent? What power do women have in the situ- in these situations? It's like the, they're navigating the exact same stuff 60 years later. That's depressing. <laughs> I find that very depressing. Like that's the rhyme that is like, wow, we have not figured anything out. And what's, I think, fascinating looking at these films together in that concept, you know, now known as date rape, there's been arguments about whether date rape is really a thing, literally, for six de- six decades. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like, there's a really interesting piece that Camille Paglia wrote in the 90s, basically saying where the boys are shows that, like, date rape's not really a thing. And you're like, no, that's not the thing to take from it. Like, it's really bad, in my opinion, really bad reading. Because it throws Melanie under the bus completely as if she's, like, she's just too stupid to know that she got herself into this. And I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not it that those kind of readings is how we get to how to have sex and people are still doing, you know, still this communication issues are still there. And, um, I really, I'm really glad you asked um, me to be on this podcast because I do really love where the boys are and I do really love how to have sex. And I had not thought of this connection. And then the minute you mentioned it i was like oh my god this is the best connection um <laughs> like wow but also then i well, got also really de- like I got, the worst possible but then i thing. got really depressed cuz i was like no this is like 6 years apart they should not be speaking so closely to each other like we should we as a people should be better by now and um it's that's depressing
0: I guess I would say there, I think there's a a little bit of a distinction to be drawn between the two pairs of men in the sense that I feel in where the boys are, that is a conspiracy. These are conspiratorial predators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are, are, those are predators. we are, yeah. are playing this game and it's just like wh- whichever one of us, you know, they recognize, they identify this vulnerable person and they're going to exploit her. And that is, that's that. I feel like there's a lot, lot more of a complicated dynamic between Badger and, and Patty and mm-hmm. Badger and and Tara. I feel like there. I, I should like to think that Badger uh, would not cross the sort of lines that Patty crosses. There's a scene in which he appears, in which he really talks to Tara, where he's trying to establish a certain amount of distance from Patty as being somebody he's known yeah. for a long time, yeah. and is just like it doesn't really, you know. That's I think there's
1: such a, a rich scene. I think. Yeah, because
3: yeah, yeah. like he, I think on some level he knows exactly who Patty is, yeah. which kind of like lowers him a little well, bit and, in my and eyes. And he knows what
1: happened. Like, like that's yeah. what's, like so fascinating about like the yeah. last few scenes of this film. Like. Everybody sees what has happened, but none of, again, going back to like emotional intelligence, like none of them like have the tools yet to kind of engage with it or talk about it. And you can see Badger trying to, like he, he's trying to acknowledge what happened, but the only way he can do it is in saying, his friend is shit and like kind yeah. of distancing him himself and from that,
2: it. That's sort of, he's still kind of being taught that boys will be boys kind of thing. And like mm-hmm. Patty is one of those boys who will be, who will always be that kind of guy. And I think that's the biggest thing you, for me that has that comparison is where the boys are is that same thing. Those are, those pre- predators are just boys being boys, right? That's kind of how they're shown. They're like the worst of the boys, but they're still on a gradation. All the boys are kind of like that. You know, um, TV can't stop talking about sex. But on, on, and how, and how to have sex, it's clear from the beginning, Patty is the one Mark to cross lines, which is, I, I mentioned last week in Palm Springs weekend, there is a guy kind of like Patty who from the get, you're like, that guy is going to cross a line and when it happens you're like damn it i knew this was going to happen and so it's interesting to see that happen just a couple of like it making it more the film the filmmaking making it more clear who the sketchy guy is just a few years after where the boys are and then by the time you get to how to have sex it's like very clear who who is respectful ish and who is like never going to be respectful and and how that culture in, is enabled because the guy's like, well, it's just that's just Patty, and you're like, no, tell him to stop doing that.
1: Well, and I I love how How to Have Sex like introduces Badger like with his stupid neck tattoo and like like, like so oh he's 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 the shit one like you like right right out, you know like he's just the like you assume that he yeah. is the 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 bad one, and so that's a, a fun
0: little inversion. In like just a shot of him, he just sitting on this on the you know with the, that dumb tattoo, and him's like, Oi, smoke show yeah. <laughs> <All> <laughs> across the uh, across the way." It's just rad, yeah. This guy. And,
1: and it's just it's so funny watching that to like kind of fall away over the course of the film, and you know seeing what what an act it is, or how it's posturing on on his part. You mm-hmm. know, Badger is a really interesting character, and while not you know absolving him of the poor choices he makes, I think uh, of any of the men in both of these films probably the least shitty <laughs> i think yeah. I, will, I will give him that uh, distinction
3: i think he's the most reflective yeah. i think he, i think he makes some ha- sense i have mistakes, the most hope for but... him
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. you know yeah. that that he, that he can change and get better after this experience
0: what about is it not uh, does he play uh, an upright bass can he play can he, uh, <laughs> can uh, he uh, but- handle himself
1: but before we uh, leave uh, the connection of uh, the the assaults in, in both of these films, I also just want to note another uh, echo, which is both Mel and Taz get their sort of traumatized walk down the street after <laughs> what happens to them. And it's... I think it's like important that both of these films like in- in give Where the Boys Are this, like it acknowledges that this is something traumatic that has happened to these women. You know, it's not it's not a boys will be boys, you know, yeah. like like this is a, a this is something they are going to be scarred by and carry with them in a way that the boys aren't going to. And where the boys are, you know, kind of <laughs> adds I guess injury to insult in this case by actually hitting Mel with a car, you know. But I don't think that I, I think that they are both sort of equally damaged in that moment. Uh, and the films reflect
0: that. I mean, she, uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Melanie wakes up in the hospital and is like yeah. disappointed that she's not dead. I mean, like yeah. it doesn't yeah. get any. You can't get any darker than that. I mean, that is uh, mm-hmm. a, a kind of an astonishing moment um she she believes
1: uh, she's ruined you know
2: yeah she's not gonna go to school anymore or nothing yeah Yeah, and i I think what's what's interesting too is like i don't know that the movie means that to be as cathartic as it kind of feels like i think it means to judge her i think it means to Mm -hmm. show that she didn't see the signs and now she's been punished and she's not gonna have her freedoms you know, she's not going to finish college. She's going to go back and just be like this disgraced person. And I think it's, it is a little purposefully punishable, but even what, but watching it now, somehow a little bit of the undercurrent of like, actually, this is the character doesn't feel punished. It just feels real. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow accidentally becomes almost transgressive. <laughs> I don't think it was meant to be, but it, it feels it. Like it transcends the the punishment. It tried to give that character, I think. And I think I a lot of that is Yvette Mimieux. I think she brings so much emotion to that that mm-hmm. um, scene in the in the hospital room.
0: That's so interesting because I, I, I there there are so many times when I was watching where the boys are. I was like, is this a conservative film? Is this kind of a warning <laughs> about what you know, kids? If they're out of control, what's going to happen to them? It is kind of that, but then, as you say, it is the emotion. You know, you feel connected to the, the experiences these women are having, to these characters, and then it it does it becomes something else that perhaps the filmmakers did who, didn't, who, intend, you know, yeah. didn't intend. Yeah, didn't um, intend.
3: It's tough with both of these because, like, I think this is a superior film to both, but how to have sex does kind of skirt it, that sort of 13 kids cautionary you know wake-up call to the world this is what the kids mm-hmm. are doing kind of territory oh, 13 it would have been a over.
1: fascinating pairing here i'm glad we didn't <laughs> do it but uh yeah. That, yeah. that didn't occur this to is
0: me. so much better than those movies, <laughs> yeah i gotta say
1: <laughs> no i i agree but
3: like you know you can see it kind of tilting in that direction in if it if, if had gone wrong mm-hmm.
0: I guess one more thought about the about these assaults because that because they are in these kind of paired scenes where you have the scene at the beach and then you have a follow up that that is that is much more overt. It seems like there's just it, there's a similar dynamic in terms of of men who kind of in the first sense may ask for the the a door to be open and then and then assume it is open in the second and just you know and there's a follow up of just like you know like Patty has gotten to this point where it's just like okay this is we had this thing at the beach. I can now do this.
1: And when he wants to, because yeah. there, there's that, mm. those, there's several scenes of him just ignoring her, you know, and no follow up until he decides that it's time to follow up.
0: Yeah. And the, and the thing about Melanie is like, I think, you know, with, with after the scene of the beach, I think what she really needs, what she, what absolutely has to happen for her is for there to be, some sort of romantic follow up for her to be, be able to knock on their the door and for them to continue having this relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when that doesn't materialize and when the next thing that hap- that really happens is, you know, dill knocking on her door, that's, you know, obviously takes takes the film to the, to where it takes it. But I think I think in order for what happened to her to make sense so the way she's thinking, she has to have that moment where she can knock on knock on the door and have some someone answer that she who is friendly to her and is going to continue this relationship because other, otherwise, you know, that, that she does not get that puts her in a spot in a spot to where when she does kind of open the door and Dill is the guy who walks through, it's just like it's just the lowest, it's the saddest moment in the whole film.
2: Yeah. The scene in the car, too, where she's like, has anyone ever felt this way? And he's just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just so in her own delusion by then. It's really sad. And I love the way she plays it because she's, it feels real. You really feel, you you understand why she's reacting that way. Why she's pushing herself into this naive, naive romantic fantasy, even though the guy is clearly not responding it's really tragic and the tension though of like that her tragedy with all the hijinks with tv i always find fascinating like how did they think to have those two layers together (laughs) i don't know i don't know like the editor looking at this like okay how do we make sure like melanie's through line is good while we puncture it with these like gropey things with tv i don't i don't know how they edited this movie it's fascinating (laughs)
0: Oh, T V. Uh, imagine, imagine <laughs> I wanna I'm gonna build my life with this man. Uh, <laughs> Does she wants
2: to be a baby maker with him. Like I don't know. Just, those
1: babies are just, just gonna like come really out wearing literally. a series of increasingly wacky hats.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and probably I mean, all I mean,
2: be basketball like, players.
0: She doesn't have to choose literally the first guy she comes across. Like, <laughs> it's like,
2: well, he's, he's tall, tall he, he doesn't
0: yeah. mind her being yeah. tall. At the, His feet are bigger than hers. At
1: the, at the towering height of uh, five foot ten and a half, which uh, I guess, Mariah, you felt a like kinship with Tara. I am <laughs> just over five nine. So not that, not that far off uh, from, from Toggle there. So that, uh, yeah. that I moment they, of,
2: they kept, look at how tall I am. I'm a monster. <laughs> they kept uh, pairing, pairing Paula Prentice with Jim Hutton because they were the two top tallest contract players at mgm so like <laughs> they were both like su- same thing happened uh, at warner <laughs> brothers with anthony perkins and jane fonda because it's like well they're tall let's make tall movies for them and i'm like <laughs> why can't they just be people <laughs> like the studio system is so weird <laughs> like, so weird paul apprentice
0: so i was kind of curious about the spring break rituals on display here and what what kind of what kind of uh experiences people young people uh seek out when they're in uh fort lauderdale in in 1960 and they're in uh, uh malia in the uh 2020s and the malia piece reminded me you know of, of watching mtv <laughs> Uh, back at you know um, mtv spring break back in the (laughs) back in the day because i I never really went on any of those kinds of uh trips when i was in in college i was not that kind of college person but just this idea that there's a sort of apparatus in place to bring young people not really of the drinking age to a state of boozy sexual frenzy is just (laughs) i mean it's an incredible thing to watch Uh, but then on the other side i mean you do have even in Fort Lauderdale, you have fake IDs, uh, very yeah. bad fake IDs that are being glossed over. You know, a club that doesn't seem to be, that's crowded with, with, with young people uh, who are, uh, you know.
2: <laughs> Everyone in this town is 21, even though they're none of <laughs> Everyone's them are. Everyone yeah.
0: 21, they're just going to kind of ultimately <laughs> yeah. shrug it off. And, and so they, they both in their way kind of. Um, Don't forget uh,
1: overcrowded hotel or motel. Yes. Rooms. So it's, it's just
0: also- oh, so. oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that was, uh, that was amazing.
2: I-, I like how they find ways in how the boys are to make it clear that to your point, it is alcohol fueled, like, sexual frenzy because the Melanie builds her whole romantic fantasy after this couple she heard that Mm -hmm. got married after meeting there. But the other girls are like, yeah, they got married nine months after. And like, (laughs) she just goes right over her head. And the other Mm -hmm. girls are like, not happening to me. And it's, it's fascinating that like, clearly for certain, certain girls, it is even in six years ago, it was like sex was the thing, not just finding a husband. And then here it's, Finding a husband is, like, no one's... It's not anyone's play. It is just just full pleasure. And it, that's a fascinating, I think, mm-hmm. way... Where the one thing that has changed is, like, no one here is, like, I want to find a life partner. Whereas in where the boys are, it's kind of... Everyone's like, well, maybe we can find a life partner at 18. At yeah. <laughs> this, like, boozy resort. I wonder also...
3: So this came out in December nineteen sixty. I, I had to look this up, but the 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 pill was introduced mm-hmm. in May nineteen sixty. Mm-hmm. So you know that would But it wouldn't be available to single
1: women for like another decade and a half yeah. or something. It was yeah. only for married couples. For yeah, <laughs> um, I, yeah. I just, I, well, okay. I just wonder
3: mm-hmm. how that would change the, the way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, but. I, I will say I watched the first 15 minutes of Where the Boys Are '84, the quasi <laughs> remake from from the year not '84, uh, which. Um, uh, it's really bad, <laughs> but it opens with an actual, like, sort of like uh, no nudity under the sheets sex scene. So the, you know, these are already sexually active characters who are try- talking about taking the diaphragm to, to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> so I guess you know if, if it weren't so horrible, it would make a uh, maybe maybe it picks up after the first fifteen minutes. But uh, uh, it would make an interesting comparison just in terms of shifting mores to look at those mm-hmm. two films together too.
1: But that's not what we do.
3: Here. We, well, we have a new. Film. I
1: mean, I think you can see the the shifting mores in how to. Have- have sex with the the sort of performative sex games that uh, that take place, you know, and and just thinking about that in the context of like Merritt's opening speech about whatever constituted sexual freedom at that at that time, then you know, smash cut to uh, Taz drinking a beer out of. Badgers uh, <laughs> yeah. swimsuit or whatever, you know, like just the there there there's a bit of an evolution there in terms of our openness and frankness about the the specifics of of sex, I guess. But yeah, but it's, also it's
3: gross though,
1: <laughs> it's gross. But there there is also still like a an interesting euphemistic layer over it all the same as uh you know like just like putting sex in the context of a game on display mm-hmm. you know like you know and making it uh making it cute <laughs> kind of the same way that like necking or bundling was that the
3: the the mm-hmm. term you know it's seems like a very midwestern term <laughs> doesn't it <laughs> yeah
2: there's also still like in both films uh, alcohol is such a huge huge factor. That's why she has the fake ID. There's that guy that like shows up and he's trashed and they're always arrested. Well, they're always trying not to arrest him, but he's just like, I'm just drunk all the time. He just pops up everywhere. Um, And, you know, like TV's got that police radio and all the drunken shenanigans the guys are doing, like bring a shark somewhere and stuff like that. I think it's interesting that 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 carries over, like that drunken revelry is like eternal like it goes back to the Greeks, practically, right? <laughs> like it, if sexual freedom has to stem from, I guess, lots and lots of flowing mead <laughs> um, <laughs> in every sense. I think that's interesting. And to
1: kind of maybe bring it back a little to our, our previous connection, I'm thinking of this scene where Melanie comes back after drinking a bunch of grasshoppers with Franklin, just fully in love with him. And she keeps talking, telling Merritt how she's right. She was right. You know, she was right. And I, th- I think it is insinuated that, uh, she and Franklin slept together, you know, uh, lubricated by alcohol, <laughs> as as it were, you know, and we don't have confirmation of that. But, you know, I think it's easy to assume that in her state, she was uh, susceptible to unsavory actions on Franklin's part the same way that uh, Taz is in, in her drunken state. Although I uh, think that how to have sex is much smarter about how it renders judgment on that fact. uh, Mm -hmm. And that it I don't think it does. (laughs) You know, uh, I think kind of everyone is portrayed as sort of equally debaucherous and there's not sort of any like moral element being put on being drunk and being vulnerable when you're drunk the way that there is in
2: where the boys are. Yeah, I agree with that. It's definitely less about, The alcohol being an issue more about the alcohol making the worst issue worse, which is the emotional tools that these kids don't have. Mm -hmm. Like if they had had stronger tools, maybe (laughs) the alcohol wouldn't have been as much of a problem because it mostly is when you're older. Right. Like you can be I mean, obviously, assault happens at every age, but I think when you're say, like in your 20s, and you're going drinking at a club, you tend to, the, the decision making, you have at least a few more tools in your brain than you do at 16. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like, experience.
2: And yeah.
1: I want to go back to to Badger and you know his whole moment on stage, and the the following day when they're talking about it, he says he's blacked out. He was blacked out, and he says mm-hmm. like I I can't remember it. You know, uh, I can't remember the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, but like looked at it another way, like he wasn't that- in a position to give consent either. Yeah, you know, well, like yeah. uh, uh,
2: facilitated by the
1: hosts. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, boundaries get blurred and obscured completely when you are blacked out, you know?
2: Yeah, I think I think that having that scene sort of at, after the fact so that you realize, well, actually, maybe they were both assaulted that night. Mm-hmm. And we as the viewers only really at first think that Taz is the one that's been assaulted, because it's more what we understand as assault. But when you, you know, when you think about it, the way you, you have uh, pointed out it's like wait a minute he's also like making decisions b- mm-hmm. based on the faculties being not there and but publicly like yeah and there's that idea that like men tend to be more publicly out there with that with their sexuality you know and so we don't think of it as the same way we don't think of it the same way morally we don't think of it the same way emotionally and I think it's a really smart scene to have the pairing of those two scenes to really show or make audiences think about the various ways that those lines are crossed, even for men in situations that seem like they should be a porn situation, right? Like that's a porn fantasy for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And yet it's actually probably assault because it's terrible. Yeah.
0: It sort of has me thinking too, about another thing these two films have in common, which is just pressure. You know, you think Mm -hmm. about this is spring break, right? These are, these are people who are going to, a sensibly relax and have fun in one paradise or another and in, in uh, one beach paradise or another but they are under a tremendous amount of pressure that they either apply to each other or they apply to themselves the society applies to them i mean it is they are being pressed into action uh in, in these scenarios and you know and, and you can see with with tara of course she's drinking and she's uh, clubbing and th- she's also being happy to th- th- think about ho- hooking up and which is something she has not done uh and something she can't really think her way through or you know she's not given the sorts of choices or agency i suppose she she would have in a different situation but then you know with the it's a little bit different i think for the women coming down to fort lauderdale and and where the boys are because uh some of those pressures some of those pressures may come from their friends, but they almost see more from society and what, what society Mm -hmm. might expect them to do. You know, they're supposed to, this is, this is an opportunity for romance. This is where the boys are. You know, this is where, where they can find somebody, uh, who could be husband material, whether it's, uh, you know, a guy that they pick up is on the on the side of the road, or <laughs> or somebody who goes to Brown, uh, you know, uh, or 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 uh, a couple of guys that uh, you mistake as uh, Ivy Leaguers. Um, you know, this is kind of like they're at a, at a stage in their in their lives where they're in college and and um, they're adults and and they're uh, of an age and. In a time when when they should kind of be casting their eyes towards uh, that that phase of their life uh, when they're when they're with uh, another person, and, and so that uh, that's a that's a big pressure that's put on them and uh, that they have to respond to. And in both of those, both the environments in both of these films are all that's really uh, are a big part of what's needed to kind of spur the the action that happens within those environments.
2: I don't know where this fits in. At all, but I wanted to also mention that Dolores Hart, who plays Merit, and um, where the boys are, later became a nun.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't,
2: I don't know where that wow. fits in. I don't know. There's a, yeah, there's it's a whole just, story about yeah. her
3: like giving away her possessions at Carl Malton's house yeah. giving her stuff. She, away she Malton's was in like daughters. an Elvis
2: movie. She was in this. She was just like one of those like uh, all American girl kind of actresses, and then she's like, no, I'm a nun. None. still
3: is none. her her yeah. her eyes were made for Technicolor too they just really catch her 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 blue eyes it's remarkable
0: so jenny there's something that we kind of st- we started to nudge into in the last, last episode and and then kind of switched it to this is it had to do with school uh in mm-hmm. grades and the future and and that sort of thing that those kind of both play a part in in this movie don't they
1: yeah, I mean, I think it, it plays a, it's much more resonant in how to have sex because, um, I don't think we've really gotten into this, uh, element of it yet, but there is, you know, they are, they are waiting to, uh, get the results from it's their first level exam or A, a level exam. So it's like, yeah. yeah sort of like you know de- determining the next step in the, in their future and you know m is the the known success story to be you know am- among the the three of them and uh both taz and sky are kind of like assuming they are not going to do so well but then as it turns out sky kind of does and Taz, as expected, does does not uh do well and gets kind of a little heartbreaking, yet very supportive message from her her mom about it. Uh, that I I really liked that little beat, but you know it just it adds another uh layer of insecurity to Taz in in this in this threesome, and it made me think about how and where the boys are. I mean. Obviously, like, you know, like the only, uh, class we see them in is, uh, you know, basically like how to get married 101, you know, so like the actual uh, degree to which their education is going to inform their future is, is debatable at best. But we do get several moments of talking about how Merit is, is very, very smart, but her grades are shit. You know, she has this high IQ, but she just can't translate that to good grades for whatever reason. And I feel like you can kind of make the same reading of Taz, you know, they, they never come out and say it explicitly. But like, you know, again, that introduction to her, you know, she's so charismatic and confident. And can uh, we see her like, she tells really funny jokes, you know, she can just yeah. like kind of talk to and relate to people very easily. And, you know, there's a i guess emotional intelligence there you know um maybe she does have a, a high iq whatever that means in this day and age but it <laughs> it did uh kind of uh strike me as an interesting echo between the two this idea that like grades don't tell you the whole story i guess about a person's intelligence or just a person in general
0: but it does kind of feed into her Self, sense sense of self worth too, or their diminished self, yeah. sense of self worth yeah. for sure. You know, as, as opposed to to their f- friend M, who we really haven't talked about, is much yeah. more. Seems more put together and does well in school and seems pretty stable. Yeah, you let's, know, let's actually just,
1: let's talk about M um, real quick. I, I'll also, like the only black character of consequence in either of, of of these films, so I I think like we should at least give her a, a little more due. And I I uh, again to uh, go back to the sort of the running theme of of emotional intelligence in these characters, like it takes her a minute to get there but she is the one who understands and and is able to mm-hmm. talk to Taz about what happened and is able to kind of give her that moment of understanding that is just like that's all she or it's not all she needed obviously but but like it's the first step to moving past what's happened to her you know and sky was never gonna be the one to give her that and you know em was very kind of wrapped up in her own relationship uh, in the trip but you know when they're going home and at the airport they they do have a moment of uh, or uh, it's more than a moment they have a discussion and they they kind of come to an understanding and sky barges in and you know <laughs> ruins it as, as she does yeah. Side. Yeah, I, th-
2: I think that's an interesting parallel with with Merritt too and Melanie. In that Merritt and Melanie are clearly the closest in where the boys are, and Merritt gets so sucked into George Hamilton that um, other than when she takes her on the on the boat that time, for the most part, she's been wrapped up with this this guy and not really paying attention to what's mm-hmm. happening to Melanie. She's not paying attention when she doesn't go out that night. Mm-hmm. She's not. She's not the one that asks. Um, I think, isn't it? That's not Angie. Who is it that asks? Is it Tuggle that asks? Like, are you sure you don't want to come out with us? Or is it Merit? Now, now I can't remember. But I mean, the point is that um, you know it's the same sort of thing where you get so distracted with your own stuff that you don't necessarily see what is happening to your friend mm-hmm. that you normally would have. Um, and I think both movies really show how that can happen and how how girls can get isolated even when they're still technically in a group. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah I hadn't I hadn't put that together but I I do like that these two films kind of end on those two pairings I mean I guess technically where the boys are ends on merit and Ryder's romance <laughs> meh. But, yeah. you know the, the,
2: well,
1: whatever. We, we don't talk about that this the hospital scene is the scene. That's, that's 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 the real, the real, ending that's the real
2: emotional ending yeah uh, yeah exactly
1: the, yeah. the same way the the airport duty-free shop is <laughs> the, the ending of,
0: we so we, we make up our own endings here at the next picture show and uh, <laughs> it, it, we're, uh, we're also gonna end this discussion here uh, where, where the boys are is currently rentable at all all the usual platforms it's also on blu-ray and dvd blu-ray owned by uh mariah um, you know and the how blu-ray
2: have... has a um audio commentary with Paula Prentice. so if you Ooh. love her oh here you go amazing is special.
0: Uh, yeah, it is uh how to have sex is now in theaters uh but it's a movie release uh so it'll end up on that service at some point too i'm sure uh we'll be right back with your next picture show <music> finally it's time to recommend a film or a film related item that complements the set of episodes uh, we call it your next picture show in the hopes it'll put some interesting choices on your radar we had some choices here um it, it, interesting pairing ideas uh but there there is was one kind of film about uh young women that kind of th- we thought would be kind of a nice thing to watch in relation to these movies uh, genevieve
1: yeah, I, I want to say this is more of like a vibes based recommendation than a than a narrative uh, one mm-hmm. in, in that uh, watching How to Have Sex definitely gave me flashes and uh, kind of inspired me to want to revisit the 2014 Celine Shyama film Girlhood which centers on a female friendship, a complicated female friendship among four young black women in Paris who basically uh, take the protagonist, uh, Miriam, under their wing into their gang. It's a girl gang, basically. And like I said, the narrative, it's been a decade since I've seen this film, so I don't want to like imply any uh, too many uh, narrative connections because I'm not confident they're there. But my strongest memory of Girlhood is these sort of bonding moments between them in the beginning. And sort of the standout scene then and the standout scene now is them partying together and lip syncing to Rihanna's Diamonds. I still rewatch that scene like probably once a year or so just like kind of in a vacuum. It's like how this film lives in my head. But I know that like it does have and what I responded to about it at the time was sort of, again, this Depiction of a complex, prickly female friendship that, like, at first appears supportive and gives our protagonist something they need, but then reveals itself to be. More toxic than it first appears, and sort of a transitional moment for our, our protagonist. But really, again, like I said, it's kind of vibes based and just uh, the the feeling you get from watching these uh gr- these young women uh, together. And yeah, it's a film that I I loved at the time, and I haven't revisited since it came out. And watching How to Have Sex this week was like, oh, I think I need to rewatch Girlhood now. <laughs> have Have any of you yeah. watched it more recently?
3: I still haven't seen it. Oh, it's really? ter- oh. terrific! Uh,
1: oh, yeah, it's yeah, really good. Yeah, I know, no, I know. I got to see it. Well, I'm recommending yeah, it for re- you then, Keith, specifically. Okay, it, it also
2: does uh, have some interesting looks at girls' sexual freedom and mm-hmm. ways in which certain cultures still, and every, pretty much every culture, some cultures pretend to be more permissive about it than not, but like the ways that women who, and especially teenagers who engage in sexual activity, are still kind of looked down upon in certain ways, or. The purity of of a woman, purity of a girl, is is part of what it examines, mm-hmm. and even what that means, and and sort of the patriarchy of it all. I think both films sort of have that layer of examining how everyone, men, women, and everyone in between, are sort of hampered by patriarchal ideas of purity, which is really interesting. I think it, I think it is. I think it would make a really great like third film.
0: Yeah. It, the vibes are impeccable, as they, as, as they <laughs> say. Uh, it, you know, it, it, this is, uh, I think, we, do we note the, what else she's directed? So people know this is the director of uh, Portrait, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and on fire. Yes. Petite Mama, and Tomboy, and other great films, just like why every film leaves. she's done. is, yeah, why why is, is so great. good. Everything she does is really good. Yeah, I mean, the, the diamond scene is certainly the like the, the big moment that, that sort of stands out. But, I mean, she's the type of filmmaker where, where she's going to give you all kinds of interesting small small moments and and also just kind of a portrait of you know a particular you know of social class is a, such an important part of this is it takes place in uh, i not i'm not even is it banlieu the, the like of those uh paris sort of low income projects outside of paris right and that sort of charged in its own way this is somebody this is a lead character who has a, a life that's full of hardship and brutality who's kind of who kind of finds her way in this sort of girl gang. And Xiaoban is somebody who can kind of connect so well to the liberation of that, uh, but also kind of the danger of it as well. Uh, terrific movie and uh, certainly a good pairing with these uh, also very interesting movies.
2: I was going to say the, the the French the French title too, which I like much better, is Ben De Fee, which means group of girls because it's about yeah. the group. Mm-hmm. And I think they changed or they gave it this title in America. If you will remember, this is the year yes. that Boyhood came out. And <laughs> yeah. I... I yep. sure some marketing person was like, let's call it girlhood and we'll get butts in the seats and All I hope right. it worked because the title in French There's is so much better I
3: know. I, Draft, you don't have the commercial uh, a success of uh, the runaway
1: commercial uh, uh, success of Boyhood. I'm glad you you brought that up and also that you pronounced it because I am terrible at French when
2: pronunciation. I, I, my, my undergrad degree is in French so if I ever say a French word wrong like I have to give my degree back. So. Oh bless you, bless
1: you for, for absolving me of having to yeah. do that but but uh, yeah I just need to uh, point out that like when I was like trying to like refresh my memory quickly I'm the film earlier today, I, I like you know pulled up a, a few uh, reviews from the time, including the one uh, from from the Dissolve, uh, which Mike D'Angelo wrote. um And literally every single thing I read about it that was written at the time brought up Boyhood. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like the context in which this film was received in in the U.S. um So <laughs> mission uh, accomplished. Yeah, really,
2: really, really dumb. Yeah. Like so it's I'll, definitely I'll, one of those. Like I'm glad that the movie has such a filmmaker who's never going to be not talked about so that it can get outside of that context. (laughs) People can just watch it on its own as it should be.
1: All the more reason to watch it now for our listeners. If you want to check it out, uh, it looks like it is currently streaming on both hoopla and canopy um, as well (gasps) as uh, your library uh, cards. Yeah. Get that library card. And then it's also rentable on the usual streaming services as well. So uh, check out girlhood. Or it's its a proper name? Van De Fee. <laughs> yeah, that.
0: <laughs> well that's it for this edition of the next picture show, but we'll be back next week with another set of episodes. Genevieve, do you want to tell us about our next episodes?
1: Lesbian road trip comedy Drive Away Dolls is Ethan Cohen's first narrative feature as director since he and Brother Joel took an indefinite hiatus from their longtime partnership to pursue individual projects. But the film, starring Geraldine Biswanathan and Margaret Qualley, is still a family affair in its way, co-written by Ethan's wife, Trisha Cook, who worked as an editor on several of the brothers' films, although not the one we're pairing with drive-away dolls. That would be 1987's Raising Arizona. Another comedic crime caper centered on an odd couple pairing, played by Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter, who, while much more heteronormative in their desires than Drive-Away Dolls' central duo, are similarly ill-equipped to deal with the precious cargo that winds up in their possession.
0: For now, we welcome your feedback on where the boys are, how to have sex, and anything else film-related you'd like to talk about. Email us at comments at nextpictureshow.net or leave us a voicemail at 773-234-9730. Before we close out this week's episode, where can we find everyone these days, uh, Mariah?
2: I am old films flicker pretty much everywhere: um, Twitter slash X, Instagram, um, and then my Substack, which you mentioned at the at some point. I don't know when you mentioned it, but I have a Substack <laughs> called uh, Cool People Have Feelings 2. It's oldfilmslicker.substack.com. That is from um, an '80s movie that I love, also about a bunch of girls, modern girls. Um, that's where the line comes from because one of the characters is a comp said she was a comp major. And then there's that line. And I just <laughs> love that movie. Um, bad decisions are made in that movie too. Actually would be a great pairing. Uh, with where the boys are but um and how to have sex but uh what was i saying Uh, that's my sub stack It is mostly films directed by women um but i also write about silent films so i have two niches that (laughs) no one really cares about but i'm very passionate and i am i uh, have my uh, directed by women guide every friday and then the silent film stuff comes when i actually have time to work on it which is less and less so it's more like every couple of months you get some silent film related stuff keith what about you
3: well, I think you failed to mention that you also interviewed, uh, how to have sex tracker, oh. uh, Molly Manning Walker yes. <laughs> at, at, uh, Substack. So yeah. that's another reason to check it out. Uh, I, I'm a freelance writer. You can find my writing at places like The Ringer, TV Guide, Vulture, and a place called The Reveal. It's thereveal.substack.com, which I co-write with our co-host, Scott Tobias. Uh, we just had our annual, um, Reader's poll, which Scott was entirely responsible for, but you can—it's can got the results of of what are films, you know, what films are readers liked. I was just nattering on about Invasion of the Body Snatchers or something, but you know, there's there's always there's something for everyone there, especially if you <laughs> nattering like nattering on polls about the body snatchers the films body snatchers.
0: That, that other people that no one talks about.
3: Yes, the one, <laughs> the ones that no one likes, <laughs> or few people like. Uh huh. Uh, and I'm on the socials at KFIP3000, Blue Sky, sometimes on Instagram. I'm on a, a, a social network called Vero, which is mostly just photographs and stuff, which I like. Mm. But uh, it's all KFIP3000 wherever you look. Genevieve, how about you?
1: Uh, well, I am also Genevieve Kosky everywhere you look, but uh, you won't see much because I don't post so much, uh, if, if at all. And nor do I have a, a substack. I'm just failing left and right here. But I am uh, still the. Yeah, you're, you're gainfully employed. I am gainfully employed. is <laughs> as, as the. Sub-stack. <laughs> as the as the tv editor at vulture uh, scott how about you uh
0: yeah i'm uh at uh twitter at scott underscore tobias uh, uh, blue sky at ScottTobias. tobias and uh of course i do the substack uh with keith um uh, uh that's the reveal.substack.com you can also find my work in the new york times vulture uh guardian other fine publications are absent Co-host Tasha Robinson is the film editor at Polygon. Uh, she is at Tasha Robinson at uh, the various socials. You can stay updated on the next picture show at next picture show.net on Twitter at next picture pod and on blue sky at the next picture show, get bonus content and open discussion at patreon.com slash next picture show. And as always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to the show. Thanks to Dan, the big Jakes for his assistance producing this podcast. The Next Picture Show is proud to be part of the film spotting family of podcasts. Please tune in next time.